But uh, you guys, uh, so what I was going to say when I first came up was you really don't know what to do with a song like that, do you? I mean, uh, how many of you came, uh, you know, coming to church this morning and I don't believe in the Bible and I don't believe in God and Jesus and yeah, so it, it, it was kind of funny in the first service, I mean, literally nobody clapped or anything. You're kind of like, what's that? And um, well, here's what that is. One of the things we try to do here at K2 and be committed to is just trying to dive in to what's really true and what's really real. And one of the things that's true is that every single one of us in this room is trying to figure out what's real about life. Every one of us in this room has a reality. And what we're going to talk about here is, is that reality that we've kind of mustered up actually true or not? And are our beliefs about God really true? Because John Lennon had lots of things he believed, and he had lots of stuff he didn't believe. But ultimately, it came down for him. He goes, well, but I believe in me. I believe in me. Yoko and me. That's reality. So, what we want to do is just start off and try to get all of us to kind of realize, you know what? All of us have different ideas about what is really true about life and what's really true about this world. But the challenge in the new series we're doing is we're going to say, you know what, you guys, let's get God out of the box. Let's not tell God who we think he is, but let's let God begin to address who, we really, who he really is. And that's what we're going to do for the next few weeks, is look at the nature of God and what can we know about him from a Christian perspective. And so, uh, so I'm glad you're here as we, as we jump into uh, this series. Uh, before we do, I want to share with you just a few things uh, about what's going on here at K2. The first one um, is something that we do believe because the Bible makes it pretty clear that God really cares about people who are in need. If you watch Jesus Christ's life, he was always about having compassion and care for other people. And so uh, one way that we do that is called Kids Against Hunger. And uh, we put this together. Uh, once a month, we get together right here in the White Warehouse get rid of all the chairs and put out some tables and, um, and just begin to uh, wrap up some food and pass it out to all of our partners around the world. And it's been so cool to have people who are actually been in like Manila into the Philippines to see those who are receiving the food that we're packing out, knowing that it is literally providing them the nourishment and the meals that they need. Uh, the other reason we do it is because kids of all ages can do it. You can bring your family and it's a great time just to be together and to know that you're spending some time pouring out to others. So uh, February 26th, uh, that Saturday, we'll be doing that again. You can sign up if you want to help us out in the lobby. Um, the other thing we just want to celebrate was uh, last weekend, we had 250 guys that showed up together in this warehouse right here. It was amazing to me as I sat back and just looked at how many people all came together, which was really, really cool. And uh, we learned some things about what do we actually believe about what it means to be a man. And what has God revealed to us about what it means to be a man? Uh, we also had a ton of fun. And uh, we are really excited about the future things that we're going to be doing as far as that goes. So one of our guys, Josh, who works on our video team, uh, put together a little video of some of the fun that we had on Friday night, as well as a few little clips of, uh, of our speaker. So let's go ahead and watch this. Did we really just end that with, man, I feel like a woman? So. <laughs> 
just to scare all of you guys away if you ever consider joining us next time. And uh, uh, that living on a prayer thing, uh, I was uh, singing on a prayer there just for a moment. But, uh, but here, you guys, we did. We had a blast. And uh, the next thing that's happening is uh, in March, we're having a marriage conference. And David Ann Wilson came and spoke uh, here a couple years ago, and it was awesome. And we'd just love to encourage you to sign up. March 18th and 19th uh, is the days. We'll be starting to sell tickets uh, when March hits. But just wanted to, you can already get that in your calendar and make sure you're here for that. That'd be great. All right, so let's dive in. Um, have a video clip that we want to show you um, from a movie that came out years ago that really starts to, uh, I think, did a great job of revealing uh, the struggle with kind of believing what we want to believe and also whether there's something greater, if there's a more ultimate reality that we could tap into. And so before I get up and start talking about what it means to get God out of the box, um, let's watch this clip together. How many of you guys saw The Matrix? Okay. Wow. Anybody not see The Matrix and want to raise your hand? (laughs) Holy smokes. I mean, I tell you, it's a pretty interesting movie trying to reveal, uh, I think, uh, this struggle with wanting to believe what we want to believe and then possibly going in to discover that there might be a whole other reality that we're not aware of. And uh, one of the things that's amazing to me is that we even have a choice. That we do, and you do, just so you guys know that. I mean, you have a choice to believe, and I like how he said, to believe what you want to believe. You can do that. And I think God has given us that choice. He obviously has given us freedom to say, you know what? You can believe what you want to believe. And freedom is important. It gives us in our own dignity. It, it, we're creating this image. And part of that means I'm free to choose. I'm free to, which it means I'm free to love. But we also have the choice to say, you know what? Um, I'm going to take that red pill. And I'm going to go into a wonderland. That maybe there's a whole other reality that I'm not aware of. And what we need to understand, you guys, as we dive into this deal, whatever we believe is reality actually sets the direction for our life. We all believe something. We all have an ultimate reality, something that we live for. And it literally sets the direction for your life. That's why it's really important. What you believe actually really matters because it will take you down the direction of a life and then the fulfillment that we're all looking for as human beings is going to be the end result of the choices of that life that we've made. And so John 1837, Jesus comes along and he says, because I love what, uh, what Morpheus says to him. He goes, now, now before we go down this, I just want to tell you, all I'm going to share with you is the truth. <laughs> I'm just going to share with you what's really true. And I don't know about you guys this morning, but I, I do want to challenge you that ultimately being here at K2, probably this week and the next, and well, every week that we're here, but especially these four weeks, we're just going to dive in to say, do we really want to know what's true about this life and what is true about God? So that's your invitation. And, uh, and I love that because he gave the invitation. He said, so here you go. All I'm going to tell you is the truth and now follow me. And see, that's what Jesus said too. In John uh, chapter 18, verse 37, it's right near the end of his life, and he's standing trial. 
And Pilate is standing there and he, he's just amazed at this guy, Jesus. He's amazed that the, this person could actually have the impact that he did. He wasn't schooled. He wasn't, you know, somebody who had a great lineage or anything of that nature. And so he was intrigued by him. And he says, he's trying to find out who he is. And he says, oh, so you're a king. And Jesus answered, you're right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. See, Jesus comes along like Morpheus to us and he says, hey, here's the deal. You're trying to figure out what is this life about? How do I make this life work? What's the purpose? What's the meaning? And you guys, one of the most important things that we can see right here at the end of his life is Jesus says, can I just tell you why I came? I came to testify to what's true. I came to offer you the red pill. I came to offer you a chance to go into the mystery of this life so that you can understand its purpose and its foundation and its origin and what this is all about. And I love how Pilate, right after Jesus says, I came to do, testify to the truth, Pilate answered, what's truth? What is truth? Well, one of the ways Jesus put this, he said, I just want to tell you, there's a, there's a couple things, you guys. He said, there's this kingdom of this world. There's just the ways of this world. And it's, it's a world, and it's a, it's a kingdom in which we live by our own understanding. It's one in which we believe in what we can see, and we follow our hearts and our intellect. And Jesus said, okay, that's basically Neil having the opportunity to say, you can choose to believe what you want to believe. And that's the ways of this world. But when Jesus came, he said, I want to introduce you to the kingdom of God. I want to open up the reality behind which you can see and to show you the matrix, to show you the ultimate reality of what's going on. And the kingdom of God, you guys, is one in which we lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways, we actually acknowledge him. It's one in which we believe in what we can't see and we follow one who has revealed something deeper. And this is why when the guy came to Jesus and he said, hey, what work do I got to do to inherit eternal life? See, he wanted to know what religious things do I do so that I can really have life? And Jesus said, the work of God is to believe. That's why Paul said, we live by faith and not by sight. Because there's something way beyond what we can just see. In fact, faith is being sure of what we hope for, and it's certain of what we do not see. And so, ultimately, you guys, your whole life, my life, hinges on what I believe. And I have the freedom to choose that. And it sets the direction of my whole life, and, the, and, and we receive the fulfillment from what that life offers. Now, so Jesus Christ comes and says, now let me testify to you the truth. And then in John 17, 3, which is a verse we use here a lot. Let me read it for you again, and let's look at this angle. John 17, 3, Jesus says this. Now this is eternal life. Now, you got to make sure, what does that mean by eternal life? Eternal life is not just life that goes on forever, which it does. But eternal life is unbounded life. It's the fullness of life. It's everything that you were created for. 
It's absolute fullness. And so Jesus is saying, this is eternal life. That you may know, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now I need to just sit there with this because I knew in presenting this because lots of times you guys, and I'm sure we're all in here today, where we're sitting there and we're going, now wait a second. The only true God? So because there's lots of gods and there's lots of opportunities and there's lots of different ways. But what I want to try to deal with you because people will say, man, Jesus was a great teacher and we like him. We liked how he lived his life. But when you really look at what Jesus said, he says a couple things here that are pretty intense. When he says, I've come to testify to the truth about what this is all about. And why this is important is because eternal life, full life that lasts forever with God, is dependent on knowing the only true God. So to think rightly about God is in a sense to get everything right. And to think wrongly about God is in a sense to get everything wrong. And so that's why we're doing this series. Because every one of us in this room has ideas about God. And we've thought about who he is and what we think he's like and what he should be like. And we're calling this series, you got to get God out of the box. And instead of kind of saying, hey, God, I want you to be like this, we need to step back and say, no, what, what, God, why don't you tell me who you are? And so that's going to be the question we're going to look at for the next few weeks, is we're going to look at what the Bible has done. Let me just share a couple things. Um, We're not going to talk about whether one of the assumptions we're making here for the next few weeks is that there is a God, okay? We could have a great uh, message on the existence of God, and we've done that before, and we could tackle that issue. But we're going to basically say that there is a God, okay? Now, we could also talk about, because there are so many different views of who God is, but what I want to share with you is what the Bible has revealed, the Christian belief about this God, And who is saying to us, I want to give you the red pill. And I want to show you what this is actually all about. All right? So before I do that, before we jump in, we got to pray. And I was just sitting there all week long, man. And yesterday I've been praying for this because this is the stuff for all of us. Whether you're seeking after whether there is a God or whether you're at the point where you believe there's a God and you're going, but which one is it? And then since we're a Christian church, the majority of you in here are Christians and you believe that, that it's the God of the Bible. But you guys, can we just all confess? I mean, do you, do you really think that you grasp everything about God? Anybody in here? I mean, one of the things that we know for me is I know that some of my thoughts right now are probably wrong about God, right? Because as soon as you get everything about God, your God's really small. And hopefully he's much greater than that. So I just want to pray uh, right now and ask that God might open the eyes of our heart because he knows you. He knows where you're at on your spiritual journey. And let's ask him to come here right now and to help us to know what is the reality of this life. What is this all about? And how does this life work? And so let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just, um, I come to you right now because we really do, we really do believe that you exist, 
And we really do believe that you long for us to know the mystery, to have the understanding of this life. And so, Lord, I, I just know that you know the heart of everybody who's here. And the stuff, God, that we're going to talk about here today is, is stuff that we need you to come into this place and help us to grasp the reality of who you are. And Lord, help us, because every one of us in this room has skewed thoughts of who you are. Every one of us does. And we want to know the one true God. We really do. So Lord, uh, would you just come, and I'm just going to ask, man, I know for me, God, I just, there's no way uh, for me, the, the, the challenge for me, as you know, is just to be able, how do I share all this in this one portion this morning? I'm going to ask God again this third service, would you just come and, and help these words uh, to penetrate our hearts and our mind and make your word alive and active to us? so that we can get past the mystery and begin to know who you are so that we can experience the life that you have for us. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys. So um, here's, here's what we're going to talk about today. Is one of the things that we believe that the Bible has taught us about God is that he's the creator of everything. He's the creator of everything. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So, you know, you open up the Bible and the first thing that happens is you go, man, God created the heavens and the earth and it just goes off and God created. That's one of the things that we believe is true about God because the Bible continues to tell us that. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, which is uh, the verse I'm going to kind of use for my outline here today says, for by him, and it's really talking about Jesus Christ. One of the things we believe, that the Bible tells us is that Jesus Christ came to testify to the truth because he actually was God in the flesh. He was coming down here to say, let me reveal to you. I know the mystery. I know what this is all about, and I'm going to tell you the truth. And here's what it is. By him, by Christ, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Now, let me just uh, share with you uh, one thing that was really intriguing to me on this. Um, this. There's three different words here. It says, for by him all things were created. And then it goes on and says, and then it says it again, for by him and for him all things were created. Now, um, after seminary, after I was in seminary and did all my Greek classes and all that kind of stuff, uh, we got done with Greek after years of that, and the professor looked at us and he said, okay, now you guys know just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> okay. So I always say that with a grain of salt. Anytime I'm going to kind of pull out the Greek, you know, I, I think lots of times uh, pastors will do that. And I don't really understand the Greek in depth, but we actually studied this passage in the class that I was in. So it's surrounded by people who did know what they were talking about. Here's what's interesting. When Paul wrote this, he actually used three different prepositions. And in the English, there's only two. For by him, all things were created. And then again, it says, and by him and for him, all things were created. But in the Greek, in the original language, it says, for by him, all things were created. And then the second preposition is the one that's usually translated in. For in him, all things were created. 
and for him, all things were created. All right, let me illustrate it like this. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of great memories from my, from my childhood, but I do have this very clear memory of my dad sitting down at our dining room table and he'd have eight and a half by 11 sheets of blank paper sitting in front of him. And then all of a sudden he would start to draw and he'd write out. And when I would lean over his shoulder as a young kid and look, my dad was a builder. He was a phys ed teacher, but his hobby was to build. In fact, when I was four years old, my dad built our home. The whole thing. I mean, he had one guy come and help him with the electrical. Outside of that, he built it. So all things were created by him. I can say my home was created by my dad. He actually did it. But not only did he do that, he also was the designer. He was the architect. My dad had this uncanny ability to be able to take the dream that was inside his mind and he would place it down and he was the designer of the whole building. See, that is what it means it was created in him. And you guys, so when we think about God, we can say everything was actually created in him. He's not only the one who did it, he's the designer and the architect. And my dad had a reason for building that building, building that house. He wanted to take care of us. He wanted to provide for us. He wanted to make sure there was a safe place, a place where our family could gather and be. And God has created this world for him. There is a reason. And that's what I want to walk through with you because I think this right here, when we sit and we go, why am I here? And what is this for? What the Bible has told us is God created this and he had ideas, reasons for it. And once you can grasp what those are, you can find out the purpose and the meaning of this life. All right? So, number one, let's go with the first one. By him. All things were created by him. Jeremiah 10, 10 through 12 says this. But the Lord, which means Yahweh, which is kind of his, it's a personal name. But Yahweh is, look, there it is again. He's the true God. He's the true God. He's the living God, the eternal king. Tell them this, he says, that these gods, little g, who did not make the heavens and the earth, will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. So what's going on here, during this time, you guys, all the nations had gods. Everybody had a different God. And, 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 see, and if you have a God, what that God does is tell you, this is what life's about. This is how you should live your life. It sets the direction for your life, saying, if you do this, then fulfillment will happen. And so in the midst of all these gods with all these different ways of of living their life, Yahweh comes to the Israelites and he says, now all those other ideas and all those other gods eventually are going to fade away. In verse 12, it says, but God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and he stretched out the heavens by his understanding. See, there really is. This is the Christian teaching. And you guys, we can wrestle with this. But what the Bible is saying, the answer to this life and how we can know how this life works is because there is one true God who created this thing. See, and what that does is it starts to give purpose and meaning to life. 
See, um, and, and it also, it personalizes everything that we have. Let, let me give you this illustration. We were uh, taking our kids skiing uh, Friday. And as we were heading up to the hills, uh, my wife and I had a chance to, to go to Italy recently. And my daughter was so excited because she grabbed her helmet, a ski helmet. And she goes, hey, you guys, my helmet was made in Italy. And my little buddy, Caleb, who's six years old, he goes, no, it wasn't. Everything's made in China. <laughs> and, I just thought, how hilarious is that? My six-year-old already knows that everything was made in China. And so they got in this big argument and stuff. And, and, and you think about that. What they know is, uh, you know, if everything's made in China, and you know what that's like. It's just, there's just some factory somewhere. There's no thought. It's just pumping it out. One after another, there's just this process. It just comes out. There's no meaning. There's no passion. There's no love behind that at all. Is that the reality of this world? Is it? See, because if we believe that there is no personalization, no purpose, no meaning, no God who has said, I have created this thing, then we're left to this, this, this kind of meaningless process. Now, compare that to my wife. I mean, when December hits, you guys, almost every night, she's sitting at our dining room table making personal gifts for everybody that she loves. And she spends hours doing that. See, then, man, when you receive a gift from somebody and they made it and they personalized it and they lovingly gave it to you, it's really different. See, and what the, what the Bible is telling us is that, you guys, this world was created by a God who had a purpose and a meaning behind it. And I'm going to get into that in the second part. But that's the first thing. It's created by God. The second thing, and this is what I want to camp on today, is that everything was created in him. It was created in him. So it's his idea. So what does that mean? So um, how many of you guys, anybody, how many of you have a Mac computer? How many of you guys have Macs in here? Wow. All right. A little bit more than the other. How many of you have a computer, right? Are we all got computers? Okay. Excellent. See, um, so for me, I, I have a Mac. In fact, I have a MacBook Pro. Okay. Now I'm about as illiterate as possible with computers. I'm seriously, I, I know nothing about them. And so that little beach ball of death comes up and it just spins. You guys know what I'm talking about? And it comes up and it spins. And basically what it tells me is I'm not working. And I have to sit there and I go, and I have no idea why not. And it's so frustrating. And so everything I want to do stalls because my computer won't work and I have no idea how to do anything about it. Wouldn't it be awesome if the guy who designed the MacBook Pro could just sit right beside me and go, oh, dude, you just push this button. Just hit Alt, you know, Control S, whatever that means. I don't know if that would do anything or not, but, uh, but just hit these keys. But if you had the guy who designed the computer when all of a sudden it wasn't working, I remember years ago uh, when I was in seminary, I had done a 20-page, I went away for the summer to go to a class. I was writing a 20-page paper, seminary education master's paper, and I got it almost done, and I hit some key, and it disappeared. And it was gone. See now, how awesome would it have been to have the guy who knew that computer, who designed that computer, to say, oh, that's okay, we can do this. See, because you guys, sometimes the beach ball of death spins in your life, and your life isn't working. And you don't know why. How cool would it be 
if the one who designed this life could come alongside you and say, this is how it's supposed to work. Some of you have had seasons of your life, relationships in your life, completely wiped out. And you're sitting there and you're going, I don't know what to do. I'm totally struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling with my kids. I'm struggling. And why this is, this is so frustrating to me. And wouldn't it be great if the guy who created this world could come alongside and say, because I know how this works. You know, the other thing that's interesting is, I, I mean, seriously, I, I don't need a MacBook Pro. It's hilarious because all I do, I have uh, email and internet and word processor. That's about all I need, right? You guys know, like a MacBook Pro, it has this whole list of things on the bottom of my computer that it can do. And I don't know how to do any of that. I mean, all the other guys in my staff are like, dude, you have no idea about the power and the, the beauty and everything that a MacBook Pro can do. And I go, I know, but I just, this is all I need. You know? And some of you are living life like me with a computer. And you go, you know what? I got a word processor. I can do my email and I can get on the internet. How cool would it be if the guy who designed the MacBook Pro would come alongside me and go, can I just show you all that this computer could do? Oh, dude, you would be having so much more fun. It could be so more creative. What if the one who designed this life could look at you and say there's so much more than what you're experiencing? And some of us are doing that. We're saying, man, I don't get it. I'm working really hard and I'm making lots of money and that's not really satisfying me. You know, I'm pursuing these relationships and I'm trying to make that all work and they hardly ever work and that's really frustrating. Some of you are just going, ah, I got lots of stuff. I, I, that's not working. Maybe it's because God has designed this life to show you something way more than what we can come up with in our understanding. See, the Christian answer from Jesus Christ to us is that eternal life, full life, full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and power beyond what we can even imagine. That type of eternal life is found in knowing the only true God who when the world was created, he created it in him. And he is the one who knows how this life is supposed to work. Now, let me read for you just a beautiful passage that I found this week in in Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8 that kind of expresses this really well. Proverbs is a book all about wisdom. You guys know what wisdom is? Right? Do you guys know, right, that wisdom is a lot different than knowledge? (laughs) Do you know you can have a lot of knowledge and be a fool? (laughs) Right? That wisdom is somebody who takes the knowledge that they receive and they actually apply it and they work it out. And when they do that, when you say, man, that dude is really wise, that's because he takes it and he works it out and he produces something beautiful with it. See, and when we say, man, that dude is a fool, that's somebody who doesn't take the knowledge they've received or they don't get it and they do stuff that's, opposite of that, and it doesn't work. So wisdom, in essence, is knowledge that's applied. It's truth that's applied, and it actually works. So the whole book of Proverbs is all about this wisdom. And in chapter 8, starting with verse 22, it says this, the Lord, Yahweh, 
brought me forth as the first of his works. And he's talking about wisdom. It's kind of wisdom personified here. It's like wisdom is talking. So in other words, the Lord brought me wisdom forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. See, okay? So the world was created, but before the world was ever created, the wisdom of God existed. The wisdom, this is what works. This is what's right. This is what's true. This is what's good. And so we're going to find out here that when God created everything, wisdom was there. When there was no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the foundations of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep its command, and when he marked out the foundation of the earth, then I was the craftsman at his side. So you guys, one of the most beautiful things, and this is why, you know, the whole idea that science and faith can't come together, that doesn't need to be the case. One of the things that I love, in fact, if God is the creator of all things and everything that's true is within him, then we should be studying and studying and studying. It's one of the things I love about the medical community. I love the fact that the medical community is finding more and more and more about our bodies and how things work. I love the fact when I read this, that when it says that I was there when he set the heavens in place. You guys, reading years ago about astrophysicists who are studying the space and they're finding out, oh my goodness, the unbelievable design of our universe. The fact that if we were tilted just a little bit different, we couldn't exist. If we were this much closer to the sun, we'd all burn up. And if we were this much farther away, we'd all freeze. They're looking at the way that the world and the universe was created. Scientists. And they're saying, okay, I don't think there's a God, but something intelligent did this. Well, what was it? It was, the Bible would say, you guys, why can't we have science and faith? Why can't it be that there is a God who, when he created the world, he did it with his wisdom so that it would work, so that it would be good, so that it would be beautiful. And that's what Jesus Christ came to testify to us. I'm going to testify you to you the truth that the red pill reality beyond what you can see is that there's a God who started this whole thing and he created it in him with his wisdom. And then he goes on. Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. I love that. The wisdom's up there going, oh, this rocks. So basically, isn't that what happened in creation, right? You read Genesis and what happens? God gets done creating something and then he says, it is? Good. Yeah, that was not good, but it was good. It's good. It's good. It's beautiful. It's right. It's purposeful. And then I love what he says. And I was delighting in mankind because after he created man and woman, what did he say? Anybody know? It's very good. It's very good. So you guys, when God created the world, just, not just did he create all the physical aspects that are out there, 
but he also created us. And when he created us, which I'm going to get to in the last point, it's all about relationship. It's all about love. It's all about there's a rightness, a wisdom that's within God. And he says, listen, I know how relationships work. I know the heart of men and women. I know what satisfies you. I know what fills you. I'm the one who designed this whole thing. And so you guys, we love that. We love it when we find something that somebody has created and we find full enjoyment in it only when we use it for what it was created for. And so in light of the fact that the Bible's telling us when God created the world, he did it in him. He did it with his wisdom. Look at what it says now in verse 32. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Listen to me. I created the world and I created it with my wisdom. I know what works. I know what's right. I know what's good. I am the unifying principle that this broken, conflicted world needs. Listen to me. And this is why it's critical, you guys, in the Christian faith to believe that there is one true God who created this world with purpose and meaning and one true God who has expressed through his creation into our very existence what is right and true because it's of his very nature. So he wants us to know this is how you should live. This is how it works. And then what's so cool is he's been, he did that for 2,000 years. He's trying to help everybody to see that. And then he says, you know what? Okay, now I'm going to come and I'm going to really show you exactly what my wisdom is. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, it says this. Paul's writing this and he says, my goal, I feel like I could say this too. We could say this as K to the church. Our goal is that you might be encouraged in heart and united in love so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that you may know the mystery of God. Our goal is that you could be encouraged in your heart and united in love so that you could come to the complete understanding of the mystery of God. In other words, so that you could know the red pill. There is a mystery of God. There is something that's beyond our ability to grasp because we're finite human beings. But Jesus came to say, let me testify to the truth. Let me open it up so you can see what it's all about. And then look at this. That you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Let me read the whole thing. Our goal is that you could be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding 
in order that you could know the mystery of God, which is namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know what that's saying? When Jesus Christ was here, he came to testify to the truth, and he said what? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am testifying to you right now. This is how it works. (laughs) Right here. That's what he was doing. What Christ was doing was showing that. In him was the complete understanding of all the treasure, of all the wisdom of God, and all the knowledge of God was seen in Jesus Christ. Because he was God in the flesh, showing the reality of how this world is supposed to work. That's why it's critical for us to believe there's a God who created and that it's only one true God. And that's why Jesus could say, now I want you to know this God. I want you to know me, not know about me. Okay, that word does not mean gain intellectual knowledge so I know things about you. It means to intimately have a personal relationship, and knowledge of God. We are created by him. And we are created in him. Now the last thing, real quick, is we are created for him. Now why, what, what's that all about? Have you guys ever thought about this? I, I have thought this many times. Why in the world, if there was a God, and he's up there and he's completing himself and everything's good, then why did he create the world in the first place? Anybody ever ask that question? <laughs> Like, why did he do this? Okay, I did. And so um, the answer to that was this. I was never actually fully satisfied with the answers. And one of the things I would always hear is that, well, God created it because he needed people to love. And we're going to get into this in a couple, couple weeks. But if you understand the nature of God, he doesn't need anything. He's fully complete within himself. So he didn't create the world because he's like, man, I need something to love. Okay. Now here's, here's, here's what I, I, I read this by Tom Odin. Uh, this week that I think gave me the best answer I've ever heard. In essence, God is good, right? He is just good. He's everything that's right and everything that's true. But something that's really good, if it's only kept to itself, is not fully good. Can you follow that? Let me give you a couple illustrations. The first one I thought about is let's say there's just this unbelievable, very good, off-the-charts good artist. Let's say this guy can create paintings that make people marvel and statues where you just kind of can't stop looking at them. And let's say he creates music that when he plays it, it all of a sudden just stirs your soul. And what if this guy would create all of that art and have all that ability to to create that music and he kept it all to himself? Would that be good? Can you imagine walking into his home and going, look at this. This is unbelievable. See, was it good? Yes. But if you just care for yourself, it's actually not good. When something is good, it needs to be shared and then it's really good, right? Here's a really silly example. Amy King, who just left us to go down to uh, uh, Texas, that girl can make cheesecake like nobody's business. Okay, it is good. There's no question about that. But if Amy King doesn't share her cheesecake, that's not good. (laughs) Seriously, if she does that and she keeps it to herself, that's not good. And God, what what Tom Oden was saying was the reason God created is because when something's really good, 
you have to share it with somebody else. And that's what makes it ultimately good. And here's what's beautiful, you guys, is the greatest goodness of all is we were created for him because the greatest thing that you can experience is love, right? I mean, when you are loved, it's the most beautiful experience in the world. And maybe, or, or when you actually love somebody, right? When your heart is just raptured and captured with another human being and you can't help but you just say, I love you. Is there anything greater in all the world? And especially when the one that you feel that towards feels the same way back towards you. Okay, now we're all waiting for that, right? But when that happens, that is the greatest good of all. And what is God? He's love. He's love. And so, Susie, last night we were talking, follow this. If God is love and we were created for him, then we were created for love. So God wanted out of his goodness to say, I want to, and I'm going to create everything for you. In the whole world, you guys, yes, I do believe it is there for him to provide for us, for him to resource us so that we can therefore take things and experience the goodness of being like him and productive and creative and producing things. And then I think he just creates some stuff for us just to enjoy like a lightning bug. Why did he create a bug whose light butt, his butt lights up? I don't know. But he just... <laughs> He just said, you know, he's just created beauty and we sit there and we look at it all the time. And here's a God who just says, I just love you and I'm good and I'm creative and I'm beautiful and it's all for you. And here's what's really for you is I want you to know what it's like to be loved. And I want you to be so full with love that you can give it to another human being. And you guys, that, I believe what Jesus came to tell us was this is why you're here. You were created by a God with his wisdom and his ways are not your ways. But once you get in line with his ways, you will start to experience eternal life. So Jesus Christ came to reconcile us back into a relationship with the God who created us so we could be in him and he could be in us. And we were created for that reason, to have a relationship with God and to be loved by him and to love him and then to express it with each other. And when that happens... It's good and it's right. And we start to taste the wisdom of God. And that's why we believe this. And that's why for me, almost every morning that I pray, I will find myself starting off. And many times I'll just go, you're my creator. You're my creator. And it's weird. In my soul, I automatically find myself just... so humbling. And just to know that I exist, I believe this with all my heart, I exist because God thought of me. He wanted to express himself through me. And every one of you out here is an individual expression of God that nobody else can be. You're created by him in him and for him. And once we latch onto that, you guys, man, we have a chance to experience life that Jesus called eternal. Unfettered 
joy in God. So as the band comes forward to lead us in worship now, man, we just want to, all month long, you guys, for me, there's no way to stop and think about this God who created everything and that it's good and that he created it with his wisdom and with purpose to let us know what was right and what is good and what is true, that we need to just stop. And I just want to encourage you, um, the full, I really do believe the full experience of this service is going to happen right here, right now. And to receive what you've just received, again, what you receive, you give out. And our worship, you guys, is our chance right now to pour back to God and to tell him, man, we love you. Yes, we believe in you. We adore you. You're everything we need. So I want to encourage you, man, to, to we're going to stand up now and we're just going to sing our hearts out. We're also going to take our offering during this time. And if you gave, part of your worship here right now is to say, God, you're the giver of everything that's good. And so I'm going to take even my resource and not get it clogged up in me. I'm going to pour it out back to you. So if you're here and you're ready to be generous, just like he's generous, then go ahead and give. Let's pour out our heart's praise to him. Let's pour out our love for him. Let's pour out our gratitude to the God who thought of you and who created you with purpose and meaning. Let's stand together. Let's worship.